Well, getting bigger is better. I know you're not meant to say that after you've had Christmas dinner, but getting bigger is better. Take the economy, for example. We have no end to uh, the different types of statistics we have to measure the growth of our economy. There's the GDP, the TWI. I'm not sure what they stand for, but they sound impressive. There's the dollar. There's a whole bunch of things. But getting bigger and being, and being better is not just for money markets. It's true for little children as well. Little children are always wanting to grow up and to be bigger. Because when I'm bigger, then I'll be able to eat that yummy food and I'll be able to get my own job and I'll be able to stay up late. And in all this, the idea is that growth is good, that getting bigger is better. But what about the gospel? Is getting bigger better when it comes to the gospel? Well, yes. To see the gospel take hold of someone and bring them to God and transform their life, gospel growth, that's something to get excited about. That's something to thank God for. Now this morning we're going to be thinking a little bit about gospel growth. It's a term that Paul uses in his letter to the Colossians, so we should just make sure we're clear about what he means. It's a bit of a strange word, strange phrase, but all Paul means by it is that gospel growth is when the gospel takes hold of someone's life. It's people converting to the gospel and then their lives being transformed by the gospel. And it's in this sense that the gospel grows among people. It's people putting their faith in Christ and living it out. Now today we're starting a new series on the New Testament letter to the Colossians. And right up front, the Apostle Paul wants us to see the significance of the gospel growing. It's an unstoppable phenomenon. It's the most wonderful thing to be caught up in. And it all comes from the hand of God. And our challenge this morning is that we would be a people who understand the wonder of God growing his gospel. And so being thankful. So let's have a look at Colossians. In the opening couple of verses, we discover that it's the Apostle Paul who's writing this letter to the church in Colossae. He's heard of the Christians there, never met them, but he's heard of them. So he writes them a letter and he thanks God for them right up front. That's what Paul wants the Colossians to know, that whenever he prays for them, he thanks God for them. Have a look at verse 3. Verse 3. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Now, it's not rocket science, but God is doing things amongst the Colossians. And so Paul thanks God for them. Now, this is an important point, and we'll come back to it a little bit later, because everything that we're about to see in the rest of the verses, it's all about what God is doing. Sometimes it's not going to sound like it, but it's what's happening. And so right up front, Paul says, I thank God for you, the Colossians. He doesn't thank the Colossians for the Colossians. He doesn't pat them on the back. He thanks God for the Colossians because it's God that is doing work among them. And so God is the one who is thanked. So what's Paul thankful for? Well, in the next few verses, he tells us why he's so thankful. It's because the gospel is growing. We're up to point two on your outline in uh, your bulletin. Paul thanks God because people are putting their faith or their trust in Christ. People are becoming Christian, in other words. And Paul also thanks God because these Christians are now loving each other. They're looking out for one another and helping each other to to continue in their trust in Christ. The gospel's growing amongst the Christians at Colossae. And so Paul thanks God for them. Have another look at verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. 
and of the love you have for all the saints. Now, just for clarity, saints here is just another word for Christians. It's not a word for special Christians. It's just talking about plain, old, ordinary Christians. But then again, there's no such thing, is there? There's no such thing as an ordinary Christian. Christians, by their very nature, are extraordinary. The one true living Lord of heaven and earth has burst into their lives. Paul thanks God for the Christians in Colossae because of their faith in Christ and the love they have for one another. Anytime you see a Christian loving each other, well, thank God, won't you? Because God is doing marvellous things there. Now, why do Christians put their faith in Christ and have love for each other? Why does the gospel grow like this? Where does all this faith and love come from? Well, Paul tells us, our faith and our love come from the gospel. The gospel of hope. The gospel of hope in Christ Jesus, who guarantees us the glory of heaven. The hope of eternal life. Now, this isn't a wishful thinking. This isn't a, I hope that it will rain tomorrow. It's not that kind of a hope. It's the hope of the gospel, the definiteness, the certainty of life forever with God. The hope of the gospel is sure. It's stored up for us in heaven. It's untouchable. It's immovable. It is secure. No one and nothing can take our hope away. It is guaranteed because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on our behalf to deal with sin. The judgment day holds no fear for us, for Christ has already dealt with our sin on the tree. Christ himself offers us the sure hope of eternal life with God in heaven, which is why the gospel produces faith in Christ. Because once you've heard of this Christ and this hope, Well, you put your faith in him. You put your trust in him. And of course, you're going to love other Christians now because you're going to want to make sure that they keep trusting in Christ for the sure hope of heaven. Have another look at verse 4. Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel, that has come to you. The Colossians, they put their faith in Christ and they loved each other because they'd heard of the hope of the gospel. When you hear something significant, you do something. When I was at school once, um, all the teachers and all the students left their classrooms and started congregating at different points around the school grounds. Now, why would they do that? Well, because we'd heard the alarm bells ringing that had warning us of a bomb scare. When you hear something significant, you do something. If uh, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time this summer, you'll find me running towards a television, shouting with delight, screaming up and down, pumping my fists in the air. Now, why would I do that? Because I've heard of yet another English wicket falling in the cricket. You see, when you hear something that significant, you do something. Now, the Colossians, they'd put their faith in Christ and they were loving each other. Now, now why? Because they'd heard of the Christ and of the hope that he brings stored up in heaven. And what we don't want to lose in all of this is the sense of the extraordinary. There's nothing normal about what Paul's describing here. Watching people become a Christian, that's a miracle. 
to witness Christians loving each other with Christian love. Well, that's seeing the hand of God at work. Paul hears of the Colossians and of their faith in Christ and their love for the saints, and so he pens them a letter. But he doesn't say, good on you, Colossians, you're doing great. He doesn't say that. He says, I thank God for you. God is at work among them. You can tell. People are becoming Christians. They're loving one another. God's gospel is growing. And so God is thanked. And it wasn't just happening in Colossae. It was happening all over the world. The gospel was growing everywhere. The gospel is growing everywhere. When it comes to the gospel, bigger is better. Have another look at verse 5. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. Now, all over the world, this gospel is growing. It's unstoppable. More and more people are turning to Christ and putting their faith in him for forgiveness. More and more Christians are growing in their love for each other. And God's still doing it today. His gospel is transforming people right now amongst us here in Morning Church. God is at work among us. And thank God for that. Because it's God who has stored up for us hope in heaven. It is Christ Jesus in his death and resurrection that we enjoy God's salvation. God has given us faith in his son that we might share in his blessings. It is God who has produced in us genuine Christian love for one another, that we would look out for one another. None of this is normal. None of it is regular. It is divine. And because we see this happening in the people around us, we thank God for he is good and he's doing wonderful things among us. When Paul heard of it happening in Colossae, he said in verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. But giving thanks to God is not just something we can do when we pray. Giving thanks to God, well, that's a way of life. We're up to point three on your outline. Thankfulness, it's a theme that keeps cropping up over and over again in the letter to the Colossians. We're just going to pick up on one of them. So flip across, please, to chapter 3 and verse 15. Chapter 3. In verse 15, here Paul speaks to us as a church family, not as individuals, as a church family. And so he says to Morning Church, we're part of the one body. We're all part of the one people of God, by the one grace of God. And so live at peace and be thankful. Be thankful that God has saved you. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. And don't just be thankful that God has called you into his family, but be thankful that God is making sure you'll stay in his family. And so teach one another. Get on board with what God is doing. Admonish one another. Do whatever it takes to spur each other on as we seek to serve Jesus our King. Sing together. Yes, sing together with gratitude to God to help each other stand firm in Christ have a look at verse 16 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God I don't know whether you've ever thought about why we sing together when we get together as a church family well the reason is simple and profound 
We sing together to help each other stay Christian as we thank God. That's what singing in church is all about. It's not about trying to hit the right notes and sound good. That's good for me. It's not about me and God getting some personal time. It's about letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. It's about teaching and admonishing one another with those words of Christ, with gratitude in our hearts to God for Christ. We sing together to help each other stay Christian as we give thanks to God. Because as God's people, we're a grateful people. We've already thought about the extraordinary goodness that God has given us in his gospel and so we give him thanks. But not just when we're together as a church family. Wherever we are, whatever we do, we give thanks. Have a look at verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever we do, we give thanks. So as we sit down for a meal, we thank God. When rain falls on our gardens and on our crops, we thank God. When we wake up in the morning, we thank God. When we drive down to the shops and we arrive safely, we thank God. When we enjoy fun times with our children and our grandchildren, we thank God. When we brush our teeth, we thank God, whatever we do. And in the light of what we've been looking at in this little section of Colossians, we especially thank God and give him thanks when people become Christian and trust in Christ for the first time. And we thank God for our brothers and sisters in Christ as they speak words of encouragement to us, when they bring a meal around to us to help us out in a time of stress, as we see Christians love each other, as people from our church family help us in practical ways, we thank God. As members in your Bible study group turn up week in, week out, even though they're tired, we thank God. When we know of Christians here and abroad standing firm, Despite persecution, we thank God. When we hear of Christians taking the gospel of the Lord Jesus to distant countries, when you hear of Christians here in Morning Church taking the gospel of the Lord Jesus to their neighbours, we thank God. God is at work in so many ways across so many people. We see it here week in, week out in the life of Morning Church. God is good to us. And he's doing marvellous things with his gospel across the entire globe. His gospel is growing everywhere, all over the world. He's pouring out faith and love and storing up hope in heaven for thousands upon thousands of people. Thank God for his mighty, gracious work. But it's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy to thank God. There's any number of things that distract us from thanking him. Things that work to make us forget that God's even there, let alone thank him. And I think one of those things is the fact that we're so capable and wealthy. We seem to be able to solve our own problems without having to think of God. And so we don't thank him. For example, none of us dig a well to look for water. We're in the middle of the worst drought in a generation and we're not scrounging around for food. We just go to the shops as normal. It's so easy. There's milk, bread, chips, 50 varieties of drink, probably more. It's all still available. It's always been available, hasn't it? But what we need to remember is that the reason it's so easy for us to eat and drink is because God gives us food. 
In an instant, he could take our food away. But he hasn't. Instead, in kindness, he's given us plenty to eat, even in a drought. And so we thank God. Now, our food and our drink, they're not the only things that we can take for granted. There's lots to life that has been the same for a long time, and so we just slip into thinking that that's the way it's always been and that's the way it always will be. But apart from the gracious hand of God, we would have none of it. So, for example, we shouldn't take for granted the freedom we enjoy to meet together as a church family on a Sunday morning or our easy access to education, the public health system, the social security systems that we enjoy. Look, I know nothing's perfect, but in this country, God has given us so much, hasn't he? All the good things in life that we enjoy, they all come from his hand. And so we thank him. But of course, not just for the material wealth that we enjoy. From what we've looked at in Colossians, God sent his son to die and rise again for us. God has stored up for us hope in heaven that is untouchable, immovable, secure, guaranteed. He has given us faith in Christ that we might share in all his blessings. He has given us love for his people a church family to support us and help us as we wait for Jesus to come back for us. God has caused his gospel to grow amongst us in many ways. God is so good to us. I don't know whether you're into New Year's resolutions, but here's one worth devoting yourself to. Here's a resolution that we have every reason to pursue. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Let's pray.